Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Cal State Fullerton has done it. They've gone from 15 and 16, the champions of college baseball. Welcome to the 1,544 Miles to Omaha podcast. Here's a drive, deep right center. Back there, and Chamberlain has won it. A walk-off homer from the freshman Chamberlain, his first of the year. Lifted deep to left field, and Cologne's got a home run. Wow, did that ball carry. Here's your host, Dave Lamb. Welcome into the 1,544 Miles to Omaha podcast. I'm your host, Dave Lamb. Today's guest is left-handed pitcher Ricky Romero. We'd like to remind you that you can hear all episodes of the 1544 Miles to Omaha podcast on all major podcasting platforms. The best way to hear the latest episodes is by subscribing on whichever platform you prefer and make sure to share it with anyone you think would enjoy it. We'd also encourage you to leave a five-star rating and review on whatever podcast platform you are listening. Believe it or not, it helps tremendously. Today's guest is Ricky Romero, who played for the Titans from 2003 to 2005 and was selected sixth overall in the 2005 MLB Draft. Romero would make his Major League debut with the team that drafted him, the Toronto Blue Jays, on April 9, 2009, becoming the 46th Titan to play in the Major Leagues. During his professional baseball career, Romero would pitch two opening days and was selected to the 2011 MLB All-Star Game. In 2011, Romero finished 10th in the Cy Young voting, a year he went 15-11, and and a 2.92 ERA while striking out 178 batters. Romero's career at Cal State Fullerton was equally impressive. He was a member of the 2004 National Championship team, pitching in Game 2 versus Tulane in the Super Regional, getting the start in Game 2 in Omaha against Miami, and taking the mound in Game 1 of the Championship Series versus Texas, recording a win in all of those games. Romero's 30 wins in three years on Fullerton's campus ranks 8th all-time, And those 30 wins rank third all-time behind Todd Simmons and Wes Romer of the Titan pitchers who stayed for only three years. Even more remarkable is the lion's share of those 30 wins were accomplished in two years since Romero was not a weekend starter and recorded just three wins in his freshman year in limited innings. His 311 strikeouts rank seventh all-time and fifth among three-year players on Cal State Fortune's all-time list. With an impressive resume and awards that included the 2005 Big West Pitcher of the Year, Collegiate Baseball, Baseball America, and NCBWA All-America honors, along with being a 2004 Team USA member, Romero headlined the 2005 MLB Draft for the Titans. 
That draft class included a total of 14 Cal State Fullerton Titans selected, the largest draft class that still stands today. In our conversation, we discuss what has occupied his time since officially retiring from professional baseball on New Year's Eve 2018, the recruiting process out of high school and how he ended up at Cal State Fullerton, we review each of his three years on Fullerton's campus, what draft day was like for him in 2005, and Ricky even answers a few questions submitted by Titan baseball fans from social media. Here is our conversation with Cal State Fullerton left-handed pitcher, Ricky Romero. How's the top of the order done for Texas? 20 for 41 in the first three tonight. Shut down, 0 for 6, and the two strikeouts against Stubbs. So Romero's done a great job against the top of the order. Can he continue? Struck him out. Welcome in to episode number 23 of the 1,544 Miles to Omaha podcast. Uh, today's guest is Ricky Romero, left-handed pitcher for the Cal State Fullerton Titans from 03 to uh, 05 and uh, was a first-round draft pick of the uh, Toronto Blue Jays' sixth overall. So first of all, uh, thanks, Ricky, for joining us. Uh, I know you're probably a pretty busy guy, but I uh, wanted to say thanks for taking the time out for uh, the Titan baseball fans out there. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to it. I feel like I haven't talked uh, Cal State Fullerton baseball in a while. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Once you, make yeah. the big, once you make the bigs, I guess everybody just wants to talk about uh, the Major League Baseball. And uh, the, the, the old college days are kind of forgotten. So uh, we'll even go all the way back to high school. So uh, so don't you worry about that one. But first of all, uh, today is the Tuesday after Mother's Day. Uh, I, know, uh, I know you have two kids of your own. And uh, your wife is also kind of famous like you. So how was your Mother's Day? It was good. Um, we, uh, we have a teething baby, so... It's been a little rough for him the past few days as he's, he's run a little bit of a fever. So we weren't able to do what we wanted to do, but um, other uh, aside from that, uh, we tried to cater to to mommy as much as we could. We went, me and my oldest son went and got her a brunch, and we grilled for her. So in all, it was really good. We stayed home and just kind of relaxed. How is uh, how is this Mother's Day? I know you know you got a. Brand new one here, so uh, that makes number two for you, correct? Yeah, this is number two. I have a four-year-old and a and a year-old uh, baby. Okay, so uh, Sebastian is four. So you've had a couple <clears throat> of Mother's Day under your belts before uh, mm-hmm. before this one, where you now have two. Uh, how's this one a little bit different, especially with this COVID nineteen? You've got you know all the all the other social distancing rules going on and, and people are kind of on lockdown, can't go out to restaurants, couldn't take her to brunch. How is, uh, how is this mother's day probably a little bit different than, uh, than all the rest? Well, it was way different. Obviously, like you said, being home, being on lockdown, it, it just, you know, you're limited to the stuff that you're able to do. And, uh, but, um, at the same time, some of our favorite restaurants are still open in the sense that you can go and pick it up. So that's what we did. That's why, uh, you know, I asked her in the morning, I was like, what, what is it that you would like? And she mentioned, or she named the restaurant, and I said, bingo, all right, we'll go and pick it up. Our original pl- original plan was to go um, to the restaurant, to go to a park, have a little picnic with uh, me and her and the boys, but 
like I said, our, our youngest has been running a little bit of a fever, so we decided to stay home. And aside from that, obviously, this is the first Mother's Day, Mother's, Mother's, no, this is the second Mother's Day as having uh, two boys, obviously. The first one was, uh, um, he was still a tiny little guy, um, but, you know, it's it's chaos here in the Romero household. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we just juggle one and the other around and try to do as best as we can, and, uh, you know, we're learning as, as we go along, but uh, the, the most important part is our, our boys are healthy, my wife is healthy, I'm healthy, and, and you know, that's that's what we're worried about right now. Right. Uh, well, your wife, Kara, is a, uh, she's a notable athlete herself, I, I mentioned that earlier, uh, you know, she's a soccer player at UCLA, she played in two World Cups, and played in the Olympics uh, for her home country of Canada, and uh, she's also in the Canadian Hall of Fame, so... Uh, I would assume that for you playing with the Toronto Blue Jays and her being Canadian, uh, you know, it was probably up in Canada that that's how you guys met. But uh, for those that don't know, how did uh, how did you meet your wife? Yeah, so um, like you said, she she played uh, for the Canadian national team at, at a very young age. She started, I think, at the age of fourteen, fifteen. She was like a like a teenage phenom, from what I hear. She she doesn't like to really talk about it very much. Uh, but, you know, stories I've heard from her dad, um, her mom, and just media across Canada that I've ran into, um, <clears throat> they always mention that. So, yeah, she's probably, her uh, athletic uh, accolades are pretty big time compared to mine, I feel like. <laughs> when you have uh, Olympics and uh, World Cups that you put that, that, that she's played in. But we met, um, she was doing uh, media for for Sportsnet company who, who, covers the Blue Jays, they, they sent her out to do a, fill in a job in, in spring training, and, you know, we, we kind of met there, and, and you know, kind of started as friends and stuff like that, and then eventually we started dating, and now we're married with two boys. <laughs> so the rest is history, I got it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> all right, well, speaking of that, uh, you know, you've, you've you officially announced your, your retirement from professional baseball, on New Year's Eve 2018, so it's been, let's say, about, what, 18 months or so. Uh, you've been co-hosting a podcast. Uh, it's called Let's Go Ricky Rowe with Beto Duran, and then, uh, you know, we've been doing that for about a year now or so. Uh, what else have you been doing? I mean, most most athletes that have been as successful as you have uh, may just want to just kind of hang out and retire, but uh, sounds like you're always constantly moving. So what, what have you been up to yeah. now that you've officially retired? Yeah, well, like you said, the the Let's Go Ricky Roll podcast was was started last year, and we've uh, we've had a lot of fun with it. Um, you know, my connections through the game, we've been able to have a lot of players talk about their journeys. That's pretty much what it's about. It's not really we don't focus on uh, stats and uh, how's your team doing and how is it going to be this year? Are you guys going to win the World Series type thing? It's more about the journey and the struggles. And I think a lot of people we've gotten some great feedback because a lot of people have. I said, man, we didn't realize, like, you know, that, you know, at times these guys, certain guys may maybe wanted to quit along the way and, and the struggles of just growing up in certain places. And, you know, I think that's what we wanted to bring to the people, just kind of the journey and, you know, let everyone know that there is a struggle behind everyone's success. And, and that was the biggest thing. So we've had a lot of fun with that. Um, aside from the podcast, uh, I'm still involved with the Toronto Blue Jays as far as their alumni. I get to do a lot of events for them and, Obviously, with the stuff going on right now, it's been really, really slow. But um, any chance I get to go to Toronto, it's it's awesome to me. I'm still, you know, uh, 
really, really uh, well connected with the people there, and I love going back there. It's, it's like my second home, and uh, and aside from from that, it's just trying to pick up golf now that I'm retired. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the thing. Uh, uh, I never liked golf while I was playing. I hated it, and once I retired, I was like, you know what? I'm going to give it a try. So here we are trying to learn this crazy game and just, like I said, spending as much time as I can with my family, with, with my two boys, and, and just being a dad. I mean, I think that's the greatest reward in all this. And, uh, yeah, I mean, just, just little things like that. How is that being a professional ball player and not liking golf? It seems like that's the, uh, you know, you got spring training in Florida or you got spring training in, in Arizona, which is, you know, plenty plenty of golf out there and these guys out there that – highly competitive athletes that like to like to play against each other not just on the diamond but probably on the course how was that going through going through professional baseball and not being a golfer and not liking it yeah i just i never i i picked it up early on um uh actually myself danny dorn uh justin turner and cesar ramos who played at long beach state we would always go out and play early on when i first signed and we were a little younger um and I wasn't good at it, and I just I said I'm done with this sport. I hate it. I don't want to go out there. The thought of waking up, you know, whenever you hear about tea times, like waking up at 7 a.m., 8 a.m., I'm like, uh, I'm good. I just I just want my sleep. So it never really like uh, was a big deal to me. Looking back at it, I wish I would have had that outlet of, of golf because you know the grind of a baseball season is so long, especially in the big leagues and. But there's so many ups and downs that I wish I had an outlet like like golf where you can just go out and relax. And from everything that I hear now, you know, that Toronto has some of the most beautiful golf courses there is. And I just wish I would have taken advantage of that at the time. But I didn't know any better. And, and uh, yeah, that's how we're picking it up now. And now with the being an alumni, you get invited to different golf tournaments and stuff like that. So I try to uh, – try to uh, – sharpen up my game as much as I can. I'm not good by any means, but I love going out there and just kind of spending time away from, from everything else and just focusing on golf. Well, last, last question about golf. Cause I know, I know there's plenty of baseball fans out there that want to want to hear about that. Uh, but we've always heard that baseball uh, is such a mental game where every pitch uh, for the batter and, and for the pitcher is, is such a mental game as to where am I going to put this pitch and where do I think he's going to throw it? Am I going to get something off speed? Is he going to try to blow it by me? But then the mental strain of, of golf where you have the long game and then combined with the short game where you kind of have to have some power but from some finesse, do you feel that having that baseball background and playing at the highest level as, as you have might help you with that mental side of game when it comes to getting better at golf? Yeah, I think you just have to know that <clears throat> I'm not a pro golfer by any means, and um, if I suck, I suck. <laughs> you know, uh, I try not to, like, let it get to me. Like you said, it's like, all right, you have a bad hole, or I right, get get to the next hole, and just, you know, just try and have fun with it. I, that's the biggest thing, just go out there, and anytime you're golfing with your buddies and, and good friends, I think that's, that's what makes it better especially when you have an, uh, an adult beverage by your side as well, too. That makes it even that much better. Um, but other than that, like I said, it, yeah, it's just it, it's such a mental sport. And, um, you know, I've taken lessons here and there because I do want to get better and I want to lower, lower scores, but I know it's not going to happen overnight. Obviously, you have to put in some work and, 
and and just like anything else, and the more work you put in, the more you do your homework, I think the better off you're going to be. So let's talk a little bit about your time at Cal State Fullerton. Uh, most yeah. baseball fans know your story of growing up in East Los Angeles, uh, but they might not know that you switched high schools. Uh, you went to Garfield for your first three years, but then you attended Garfield's main rival high school your senior year in going to Roosevelt. Why did you Why did you make the switch uh, with one year to go? <clears throat> yeah, well, um, in, in in that community, you you know. I knew the Roosevelt guys just as much as I knew the Garfield guys. And um, the year before, Roosevelt had gone to the to the championship, you know, the LA City championship. And you know, Garfield. Um, I spent three years there. I loved it, but I just felt like, you know, I was like, maybe if I if I want to have a shot at this, maybe to get looked at, or maybe you know, maybe a little bit more exposure. These guys were just in the finals last year. Maybe I can be part of that. I made the, the switch, uh, you know, nothing against the players, the coaches at Garfield High School. It was just, you know, I, I felt like a connection to, to the coach that was a role developer at the time. So I made the switch. It wasn't an easy switch. It was very emotional. Um, obviously, a lot of people were mad. Um, even, you know, the, the coach at Garfield at the time said, hey, I'm going to do everything possible for you not to play. And, um, you know, their whole claim was that I was being recruited and all that stuff. And, which uh, obviously wasn't true. Um, it was just like my decision. I talked to my parents about it, and they said, "Hey, wh- whatever you want to do, we'll we'll uh, we'll do." And that's kind of how it came about. It. And next thing you know, I was at Roosevelt High School with the <laughs> uh, as a senior, and I just wanted to play baseball. That's it. You know, I, I obviously I was a good student in the classroom, but I wanted to play baseball. I wanted to be. They had a really, really good team, and and I was like, you know what, I wanna, I wanna be part of a good team going into my last year, and uh, that's why I decided to do it. So, because of transfer rules, and and I know it's it's probably a little bit different than it was even then, but uh, did you guys have to change addresses or use a family member's address? No, 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 no. Uh, back in the day, I don't even know if they have it anymore. It was called. It was. They had what was called open enrollment. And where you can make a, a change in your in, in high school, and it was just you know you just had to get approved. But since you know there was all these things that like obviously I was one of the better players at Garfield, um, <clears throat> they're trying to do everything possible for me not to not to transfer and for me not to if I did transfer not to play. So yeah, it was a big uh, it was a big uh, ordeal there. You know, everyone just had their own opinion about it. But at the end of the day. Nothing ended up happening. I ended up going to Roosevelt and playing there and having a successful senior year, which is one of the reasons I went. I went there, and uh, you know, part of the part of the reason they had a uh, at the time uh, Ernie Rodriguez, who was a big uh, influence in my career there at the time, helped me out a lot. Um, he was a pitching coach and learned a lot from him, and um, you know, and 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 it kind of got my career started a little bit there. Well, you had that phenomenal senior year, and uh, you've mentioned before that it wasn't until that L.A. Times article came out that uh, professional scouts started coming out, D1 schools started coming out for you. So what was what was the recruiting process like for you? I know USC was the first to, to offer you a scholarship, but uh, you were recruited by other schools, obviously ended up at Cal State Fullerton. Take us through the, 
the first spark of interest from colleges to the day you committed to go to Cal State Fullerton? Oh, I was lost, man. I was completely lost with the whole recruitment process. I just was never expecting to have that kind of exposure. I didn't know, like, what to do or what to expect. It was just, you know, this young kid from East L.A., all of a sudden, uh, you know, pro scouts are coming to see him. Um, Division One schools are calling, and we were just overwhelmed as a family. But, you know, I think once I started learning the process a little bit and just kind of taking it all Taking it all in, I was like, okay, let's let's enjoy this. This is a good problem to have. And USC came knocking on my door right away, and they offered me a scholarship. And I took my recruiting trip there. And I think one of the biggest turnoffs there was, um, you know, when I went on my recruiting trip, uh, the head coach at the time, um, you know, just kind of showed zero interest in talking to me. It was, uh, uh, Andy Nieto was the one recruiting me and he did everything possible for me to, to, to go there and, you know, he would come to the games, be at my house and, and do all that stuff. You know, um, real pro about it and, um, you know, I really liked him, but I think, like I said, the, the head coach there at the time showed like zero interest when I went there and I was like, you know what? All right. You know, it still left me with the feeling that, you know, I, there's a possibility I still come here and, um, you know, not very many schools were calling yet. And then all of a sudden it just started like, you know, LMU, uh, Long Beach State, um, Arizona, Cal State Fullerton, and you name it. I mean, those schools were, were, were on it. And, um, I remember when my dad took me to, uh, to the recruiting trip in, in at Fullerton, I think I uh, teared up the whole way there because we were on the on the highway, and I was like, "Dad, I told you I want to go to USC. I want to go to USC," and that's just the end of it. And and then I kept thinking about the the the, the, the interaction I had with the head coach there, and it was like wasn't very good. So he's like, "Let's just jump on this car. Let's see what happens." And 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 it's you know you haven't signed with anybody, so let's just go see. And sure enough, we show up to to Fullerton. Um, we go up to the little VIP area up there, and there was uh, Coach Dave Serrano, uh, Hookie, uh, and Coach Horton all greeting me with open arms. And I think within like five, ten minutes of being there, I was like, this is where I want to come. We left, and I told my dad, I'm ready to sign here. And it was just the impression that they left on me quick. It was just it was awesome. It made me feel, it was, it was more me. It was like, okay, this is a blue collar type program. Um, and I want to be a part of this. And they, they, you know, they've had a winning tradition. Um, and it just, I was sold. I was sold with, with the way they treated me. And, and like I said, it was, it was just me coming out of East LA, coming out of Roosevelt High School. Did you take any other trips, or was that, or, or was that you just kind of shut no, that, the process? That was it. That was it. Yeah, I talked to a few other schools and stuff. Um, you know, uh, Coach Andy Lopez at Arizona called me, and he's like, "Man, I would love to have you here. I would do anything for you to be here." But I understand because I wanted to stay co- close, close to home. I'm pretty close to my family, and um, he's like, "But I understand, you know, that if you choose another school, it's because of your of your culture and." I understand that Mexican culture, you know, you guys are very tight knit and, and he's like, but if you do change your mind, we'll welcome you with open arms here. And at the time, Arizona was an up up and coming group 
and you know we we had a few battles with them in the in the in the regionals all the time. So I knew what the program was all about. But um, yeah, the the only trips I took was SC and Fullerton, and like I said, as soon as I went to Fullerton, it was like all right, I'm sold. And um, Sergio Brown was another guy who had a a lot to do with it, and you know it was just so like. I don't know. I don't know how I explain it, but it was. I just felt right. It, it, everything just felt right about it. And the funny story behind that. I mean, <clears throat> I'm sure plenty of people have heard it, but my dad used to be a sewing machine repairman, and he he actually did a job at Fullerton a long time ago. This is when I was younger, and he took me with him. He got done with his job, and then we drove uh, through the school, um, and then through the baseball field, and the gate was open in left field, and he told me, "Hey, go take a look." at this baseball field, and I was like, all right, so I get down, I go look, boom, and somebody kicks me out, somebody's like, hey, you can't be in here, um, yada, 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 so I walk back, and my dad said, I look really sad walking back, I was like, yeah, somebody told me I couldn't be there, and my dad's like, don't worry, one day you're going to be pitching on that mound, and sure enough, you know, a few years later, I was, as a freshman, a young freshman, pitching at Cal State Fullerton on Goodwin Field, which, it's a crazy story, but I still remember that, 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 to this day, and he always laughs about it, but you know, he, he his uh his plan or whatever he he was thinking at the time definitely worked, and there we were at Fullerton at Cal State Fullerton. Do, do you think that during the recruiting process, even though you take your first trip to USC, your dad kind of was was a even though he wasn't a Titan, he kind of was was that ace in the hole for the Titans because. You took that trip as a kid, had that experience, and you know he knew the tradition of the program. Uh, you know, it kind of sounded like from a from a young man who became disappointed because he got kicked off by some groundskeeper to eventually throwing and and going on to 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 get drafted in, in the first round. Do you think that that was kind of Dad's ace in the hole, where he was kind of the secret Titan recruiter? Uh, he must. He must be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he must be, but you know, I think the other the other thing that helped was um, Kelsey Fullerton offered me a full ride um, in USC. I had to come up; it was only an, a partial scholarship, which I, I had to come up with a lot of money. And my parents said, "Hey, we'll do whatever we can to help you there, but just know that you're going to be maybe when it's all said and done, you're going to be in a bit a bit of uh, debt." And I was, they're like, "Do you really want that?" And so, so I looked at the pros and cons, and at the end, like I said, Fullerton was just the, the place where I wanted to be. And, um, you know, from, from talking to the coaches, and then I still remember uh, Sean uh, Martin, uh, Spidey, and uh, Chad Cordero, both those guys took me around the school, and I was like, perfect, this campus is small. It's exactly what I want. I don't want to be, you know, when you go to the USC campus, everything's just so all over the place. And I was like, this is, you know, one building's here, the other building's there, perfect. I don't have to go take a scooter or anything like that to my next class. So it was like everything just was falling into place, and I kind of uh, sensed it and smelled it right away, and I was like, all right, this is me. And, and those two guys definitely uh, also played a big part in it because they made me feel right at home. Well, that, that that's a nice, smooth transition because uh, uh, we put out on social media to uh, ask for for fans and and for people to uh, suggest some some interview questions. So this actually credit goes to Sean Martin, team of yours. <laughs> he actually tweeted yeah. that one out. He asked, uh, you know, as a freshman, your recruiting class was loaded. 
Uh, it had you, Justin Turner, Danny Dorn, Blake Davis, Brett Pill, Sergio Pedroza. I mean, the list goes on and on. Uh, you and your roommates, you know, JT, Danny, Blake Davis, uh, all eventually made it to the big leagues. So the four-year guys went to Omaha three times and won a national championship there in 2004. Did you know when you arrived on campus that you were freshman class and the guys that, that were your age that landed on campus, that that, that class was going to be so loaded? I didn't know I didn't know we were going to be that loaded. I mean, when you think about it, we, we came in and it was, like you said, Sergio Pedroza. And these were the higher tier guys. We were kind of, I feel like, on the lower end because we we all we all um, uh, we all I, I I signed really late. Uh, I didn't sign my letter of intent till like June. And Red, uh, Danny, and Blake were were also kind of. We weren't like over heavily recruited. I think the overly heavily recruited guys were at the time were Bobby Andrews. Uh, Neil Walton, Sean Scobie, and Ryan Shreppel, and those were like the top tier guys that they had landed, and we were just kind of coming in, you know, four guys uh, that that uh, that were recruited, but not overly heavily recruited. And uh, when you look at that class, I mean, yeah, I mean, the the Titan program has had a lot of talent go through that through that place, but um, I, I would say, yeah, I mean, it, it has to be up there with with one of the better classes. Uh, that that's ever uh, played it for that program, and um, I think we all. I mean, you look up and down those those names, and we all contributed to that national championship somehow, some way. You know, whether it was a big hit or a big out, um, everyone contributed big time, and and uh, and it just you know goes to show you the, the the recruiting that they did for that class was just awesome. And I got to meet <clears throat> Blake. Danny and Red the summer before going into Fullerton, which made the transition a bit smoother for me. Um, you know, obviously coming out of East LA, it was a bit of a culture shock when you first go to Cal State Fullerton, and you know, and and it's just a bit different. Um, um, but I got to play with those guys in the in, in for the Long Beach Cardinals in in the Connie Mack uh, league. So they they invited me, and I remember pitching there the first time, and I walked the house. I was so nervous. And I told my dad, I was like, I never want to go back there again. Like, no, he's like, no, you signed up to 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 play here, and you're gonna play here throughout the rest of the summer. I was just embarrassed, and I was like, man, I just made a fool out of myself in front of everyone. Um, maybe maybe <laughs> as good as I thought I was, but uh, the good thing is um, they gave me a shot to continue to 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 pitch. And I remember we were in the semifinal or the. Yeah, to go to the Connie Mackwell series, which was in New Mexico, and we uh, and they let me close out the game. And I remember we clinched a spot. I got to go to New Mexico. I started two games out there, won two games, uh, including the championship game, and we ended up winning the Connie Connie Mackwell series. So that was kind of our first taste of uh, of uh, championship uh, excitement for 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 those for those three guys and myself that that we ended up rooming together and. Um, it, it was really cool to show that moment, and then you know you you fast forward a few years later, and then, uh, a few years later, yeah, and and there we are in Omaha, Nebraska, lifting up the trophy for the 2004 uh, national championship. Well, your freshman year in 2003, you didn't get to pitch a lot. 
I mean, you know, there's nope. only there's only one baseball, and there's only so many innings to go around. And you mentioned it that uh, you know that that team that you just joined was was loaded. I mean, you had to fight and scratch for innings from guys like Jason Windsor, who was a JC transfer, Miller, Littleton, Shreppel as starters, dudes like Chief, uh, Merrill, Spider, you just mentioned, and others out of the bullpen. Uh, was that a humbling experience for you to not get in and and pitch as much despite being such a stud coming out of high school? Well, before I say anything, to me, I think that was probably the most talented team I, I was a part of in my three years there. That team was so loaded, so loaded. But uh, was it a humbling experience? I mean, I, I think I knew what I was coming into. I mean, when you have a you know an All-American like West Littleton and, and other, and, you know, Chad Cordero, who's a stud closer and everything in between that, um, you kind of know your place, and I just knew I had to work really, really hard to get some innings. And, I, you know, when, when, when you think about it, I think I ended up throwing, I don't know, 40, 50 innings maybe, which, you know, when you, when I talk to a lot of guys, they're like, that's actually a lot of innings for a freshman. Um, but, you know, the best part was that I think I, I made every every trip. I was in a guy that was left back. I think uh, um, I was still considered one of the guys, but maybe just, you know, the bullpen was a completely different role for me because I had never really done that. And I just tried to stay positive. I knew it was gonna, I wasn't going to come in and, and tear it up right away and stuff like that. So I knew who was in front of me and stuff like that and what I needed to do to get to that to that level. And, um, you know, I think getting the first taste of Omaha that year really helped for, for 2004. Um, and I remember, I'm never going to forget when we made it to Omaha that year and, and we ended up losing to, um, to Stanford. Um, I remember myself, Danny and, and Red, uh, JT, um, we, the three of us stood like on the top step at Rosenblatt and we were just looking at the celebration and I remember Hookie saying, hey, um, check it out, take it all in because next year we're going to be back and we're going to win it. And and he's like, this, this this should make you hungrier for next year and we're like, whoa. Like, obviously, we didn't know what the future was going to hold for us but, you know, it came true and there was all these, these little signs, you know, that and when you when we walked into that clubhouse uh, after we lost to Stanford, I think it hit hit me hard, it hit Danny hard, it hit Red hard. Where you know we saw the you know the the Shane Costas, the Chad Corderos, all the hard work that they had put in, and you know to see them in tears, and 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 you know Sean Martin who had been there as a fifth year senior, and you know all the stuff like all the emotions that go into that. I mean it was it was sad for me, and I was like, man, I wish you know I wish. These guys would have would have gotten a, a taste of, 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 of winning a championship because when we did win it in 04, honestly, I felt like all, it was for all those guys that, that were there the year before and, and and every past Titan before that. We just felt like, you know, the Titan family is such a close community and everyone's really, really close to players that, you know, I felt like everyone was a part of it and everyone was genuinely happy for us. Well, going into that, 2004 year that uh that sophomore year for you uh you know the infamous 15 and 16 start you eventually go on to win the national championship uh previous podcasts that we've done uh we had an interview i had a nice breakfast sit down with uh with king george george horton 
And, you know, he talked yeah. about, obviously, he talked about that team. Uh, but even though you had that adversity of the of the slow start, that 15 and 16 start that everybody talks about, you personally, you sat down with your pitching coach and kind of had a heart-to-heart who, you know, who who was the pitching coach at the time and what was the conversation going into that season where they said you had been a little bit disappointed and uh, you needed to step it up? Yeah, um, it was with Dave Serrano. You know, he was a big influence in my career. He helped me out tremendously to become the pitcher that I was. He saw that bulldog mentality that I showed and the emotion I showed when I was out there. Um, and, and it's true. I remember in, in 04, I came in, um, and I was disappointed with the fall that I had. It wasn't as dominant as I wanted it to be. So I didn't earn a spot, and um, which was totally fine. Obviously, it's not what you want to hear, but you also want the the coach to to shoot you straight, and he did. He sat me down. And he's like, "Hey, man, you know, right now you haven't lived up to what we wanted you to live up to. So for now, you're going to head back to the bullpen, and you're going to fight for innings." So I was like, "All right." The the competitor in me said, "All right, what is it that I need to do to get better?" So I didn't I didn't cry about it. I didn't I didn't really, you know put my head down or anything like that. I just kept working and working and working. And I knew, you know, that, you know, my my chance was going to come. So then um, we opened up in Stanford that year. And and before the announcer rotation, obviously, uh, we had two guys who got hurt, which were uh, Jason Windsor at the time and Dustin Miller started on the DL. So Toronto looked at me and he's like, hey, man. I mean, this is your chance. Uh, you know, you weren't you weren't going to be in the rotation, but here we are. This is your shot, and take it and run away with it. And I did. And you know, that year obviously was a special year. We go on to win the national championship. Me personally, I got to get uh, you know pitch two big games in in Omaha, and then that summer I represented Team USA with some of some of the best college players um, there was at the time. And the rest is history. And I think it's. You know, I needed that little bit of a push to kind of get me over that hump. And, and, you know, injuries are unfortunate, but they happen in this game. And you just got to stay ready. And I did. And, 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 you know, I knew with my work ethic and my mentality, um, you know, when you have a guy like Ken Revisa, rest in peace, um, you know, teaching you along the way and learning certain things along the way, I think I picked it up. And it helped me that year. And, we didn't start the way we wanted to. Um, you know, we were getting our butts kicked left left and right and losing to teams that we shouldn't have been losing to. But in the end, I think it made us better. Well, I know, uh, I mean, obviously being in the program and, and having the connection that you have, I'm sure you've heard the, the 1995 team is so highly regarded. And you've heard Augie say that they had that three that three game losing streak where they went to Wichita State, lost two midweek, and then they came back and they lost to uh, Nevada Reno. So they had this little three game losing streak where Augie turned it over to the team captain at the time, DC Olson, the first the first baseman, fifth year senior, and he kind of had that famous DC Olson speech where he just kind of had a players only meeting he tells the guys like hey man this is stupid we're better than these guys we just got to go out and play ball and then they just rattled off all those wins and and won the national championship what was the what was the turning point for the 04 team when you guys are staring at a losing record 
30 games in, essentially, and no one thinks that you're even possibly going to be able to go to Omaha, and then you end up winning it. What was what was that turning point for you guys? Was it a players-only meeting? Was it George yeah. coming in and kicking your ass? I mean, what was it? It, it was it was a combination of everything. We did have a players meeting where everyone aired out their 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 stuff, you know, that they had with each other and stuff like that. And we had a game that day. I remember we were playing the uh, San Diego USD, and we thought we were pumped. We're like, all right, we just had this meeting. This meeting where you know we let out all this stuff. We're gonna move forward, and we go out that night and we <laughs> we get our ass kicked. And we're looking around like, yeah, this is the quietest I've ever seen, I think, our, our clubhouse at the time. It was like we look, we look to the left, we look to the right at each other, and we're like, okay, what the hell is going on? Maybe this is not a year for us. And, you know, so, um, so then, you know, you also hear it every day at practice, you know, how we're 15 and 16, how we're on pace to be the worst team in Titan history. And so, you know, all that stuff kind of added up. Um, I still remember, I, I always tell Coach Horton, if you remember that time when we were uh, at Texas, and we got our butts kicked out there. And I remember uh, a few of the players heard it where um, a coach walked by Coach Horton. This is after we had lost. And he's like, hey, Coach, uh, you know, see you in Omaha. And he's like, yeah, right, we'll be watching on TV. <laughs> and I remember I heard it, and I was like, I looked around, I was like, did anybody else hear that? And, you know, little things like that. And, and you can tell, you know, Coach, you know, Another uh, big time, you know, influence in my career, Coach Horton was awesome, and you know, one of the guys that obviously gave me an opportunity to to play there. Um, I just remember, I remember that thing, and then obviously, you know, the way the, the season started for me with Coach Toronto saying, you know, there's a possibility you're not going to pitch as much as we thought you were. So there was just everything, and I think for the team in general, everything added up and. You know, we kind of just took it upon our hands. We knew we had the talent, and, you know, and, and we just went out there and played. And, you know, uh, Ken Revisa was obviously a big help to us during that time. And, and you know, and, and like I said, we knew we had the talent. So we just had to put it together out on the field, and we did. Well, Dr. Ken Revisa, you know, is highly regarded, obviously, in the sports psychology world. And I think uh, in our conversation we had with George, uh, you know, we're talking about how Ken had that knack to be able to make visualization into something tangible. And a lot of people remembered the, the little toy toilet in the dugout where, you know, if you had a, a bad, you know, a bad inning or if you have a bad at bat, you strike out or whatever it is that you'd go back to the to the dugout and you'd flush it. And then now it's gone and, you know, you're on to the, you know, you're on to the next was what what did you take away from? From from Ken Revisa being as uh, as heavy out of an influence not only on the team but on you personally. Oh, I mean, one pitch at a time. I mean, as cliche as it sounds, is you know, I think I learned I learned the meaning of that and slowing the game down, especially in big situations and the big games that I got to pitch in. Um, you know, it, it was it was him helping me and guiding me through it all and. I'll never forget, you know, <laughs> the day I pitched the game one of the national championship game when he called my room at like 7 o'clock in the morning. I was asleep, and he's like, hey, man, uh, this is the University of Texas baseball team. Uh, I just want to let you know we're going to kick your ass tonight. And he hangs up. <laughs> and then he calls again, and I'm like, 
Kenny, please, man, it's early in the morning, I'm sleeping. He's like, hey, I just want to let you know that, you know, you, you need to try harder tonight. You need to throw faster because we're coming for you. And then he hangs up. And, you know, he just played that game where, you know, he got you thinking. And it was like, wait, I don't have to throw extra hard just because it's, it's, it's a big game. I don't have to do anything extra. I just need to be myself out there. And that's where he helped me big time. And everything he taught me, I carried on into the big leagues. And, you know, and it helped me tremendously. And, you know, just... The way he the way he taught, I I really enjoyed it, and and I know the other guys uh, on that team uh, really enjoyed it, and and you know he was a treat. He was an awesome human being, and you know definitely uh, you know the game misses a guy like him. He was just he understood a player, and and he really took the time to get to know you and and, and get to get to teach you uh, whatever it is that he had to share. One more thing about the 2004 team. I know, obviously, because a lot of people want to hear about it, just because it's it's the national championship team. But yeah, for for the for the squad itself, you're a sophomore. You're you're a contributor. You've obviously you know proven yourself in the in the regionals, the super regionals, and then during the course of the season as well. Was there still a little bit of that? Hey, we started 15 and 16. Are we just kind of lived on on borrowed time? Are we really all that good, or was it just like, hey, look what we did at the back half of the of the season, and we can we can do this. We we were playing well. I mean, what was what was the mentality once you guys arrived in Nebraska? Uh, you know, starting so slow, but then finishing fast. I mean, what was that? What was what was the mentality of the team, and and how'd you guys approach the whole you know the whole time that you guys were there? Our mentality was, we're here to win it. We don't care who we have to face. We've been through the worst of the worst as far as team-wise. You know, we've been down, down at the bottom. We know what that feels like. We don't want to, uh, we don't want to know what that feels like anymore. We're here. Let's go out and win it. We have the team. We have the pitching. We have some incredible hitters. Now, if we just, you know, do what we have to do and let the game come to us and take it one pitch at a time. We're going to be fine. And, and, and we did, we did that, you know, obviously we came out against South Carolina and Jason Windsor, who was, you know, unbelievable that year, uh, you know, uh, pitched a big game. Then I throw against Miami, you know, we win that and we just knew we belong. We, we didn't care who was, who were we facing. Um, you know, I think, at the end of it all, we wanted Texas in the final just because of what they had done to us earlier in the year. And and I just remember, um, you know, thinking like, we're here to win. We're going to win this, and and it's going to be it's going to turn from you know from possibly being the worst tight end team in, in in the history of the program to being national champs. And uh, I think we all thought we all uh, smelled it. Uh, we all knew, like I said, we belong there. And, you know, and then you have your unsung, unsung heroes, you know, like Scott Sarver, who pitched a big game against South Carolina. Um, you know, Mike Martinez, who was a, a hitter the first four years of his career there and turned into a, a pitcher for us, you know, got some big outs, um, made some starts that year. I mean, it was just the list goes on and on. I think it was a total team effort. Um, again, unsung heroes that, don't get the name. Uh, they don't get their name out there, but you know they pitched some big games. Scott Sarver threw in a big uh, 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 regional game as well too. So 
it just, you know, I think we, we, we used the term, you know, shoulder to shoulder and we took it to heart. And it was literally shoulder to shoulder that, that year, you know, everyone was rooting for each other and whatever it took to, to win. And, um, and I remember the national championship when, when we got there, it was like, I remember Coach Horan saying, okay, we're here. Uh, we're going to face this team. Let's hype them up as much as we can to the media so that these guys think they're invincible. And we're like, all right. So we go, we go do media. And I remember it was like, you know, Captain Fullerton doesn't have a shot, yada, yada, yada. They should just try and text it. And we heard it all. And we just kind of sat back, smiled, and said, all right, all right, all right. We're a completely different team than, than what we were. And I think it was just Coach Horton, this is how, how much savvy he, ha- he has. He just knew, like, hey, let's play into this game, and, and these guys are going to think that they're just going to run right through us. And sure enough, you know, that you can tell they came in confident, and uh, and they were, they thought they were facing the, the Cal State Fullerton baseball team that they faced earlier in the year, and it was completely different. And uh, and we, we made them pay, and, you know, when we had a chance to put them down, we did, and we never let them. You know, we, we didn't let it get to that third game or anything like that. We, we took care of business in the first two games. And at the end of the year, we were, we were lifting that trophy. And, man, there's no better feeling than that, um, especially when you're, when you're out there with your brothers, you know, and the guys you have gone to battle with. It was, it was super special. You, you really don't know if you should cry, you should laugh. Like, I just remember screaming and, like, tears coming out and, and hugging everyone. It was just, you know, to me, one of the most, cherish one of the most special moments of my of my career it was just you know nothing can top that if i can go back to a moment in my career it would definitely be that and uh you know like i said just the camaraderie that that you share with that team and how close we were as a team it's just it was something special what was it like for you you go out you pitch game one win that game windsor goes out and pitches game two and your your job is done. You, you're, I mean, you, you're not probably going to come in off of you know a, a game that you just pitched the day before. What was it like for you? Was it the most nerve wracking, knowing that you've already done your job, but you can't you can't put the team over the hump and win that game too, and win that national championship? And you've got to watch it all unfold. And you you can't even you don't even have a chance to go in the game essentially because you already <laughs> pitched the day before. I mean, what was how was that? I knew we had the best pitcher in the country going for us that night or that day because it's day game. I just knew it, you know. And and he got off to a slow start, and I was like, "Whoa!" Like, okay, but you know, I knew that he would recover. And he, you know, at the time was one of the best pitchers in the country. And and I know he he was going to leave it all out there and and, and take care of business. And um and you know, obviously if if we were to lose that game, which thank God we didn't, um, there was a third game, you know. So, but we weren't looking, we weren't looking at it like that. We were saying we got the best pitcher in the country. We're gonna do it today, and it was a hell of a battle that that day. And I remember uh, our hitters, you know, just grinded through at bats, and you know, and and at the end, you know, obviously. Uh, Brett Pill, another unsung hero, comes up with a big hit, and then obviously Kurt Suzuki with the game-winning hit. I mean, there's just so much stuff, you know, that, that happened that game and it happened so quick and, you know, and, and to have that ninth inning, I, I don't think I've ever been so nervous for a game as much as I was for that one, especially in the ninth inning when you're three outs away, you can 
personality. You can see it. And, but you also have to respect Texas for who they are because, you know, the game in college baseball, it can, it can change quick. And, uh, and I remember he got, he got two outs. And then, you know, when you see that, that third out or that, that, that last out go up and Bobby Andrews catches that ball, it's just like a sign of relief. You know, it was just like, oh my goodness, we did it. You know, we, we overcame so much. And I think that's what made it so special. We had overcome so, so much throughout the whole year. And, uh, and, and, you know, to be the last team standing, it was, it was special. And in the years past, you know, in, in 03, we were the number one team in the country for law, for most of the year. That's, which is why I thought, you know, there's, we're going to win the national championship this year. And in, in 2004, we, were, we went from ranked to not being ranked to, you know, being in the top 25 and then obviously moving up. And at the end, we're standing there. And it just tells you how, how crazy the game of baseball can be sometimes. And, uh, you know, and, and we stuck to it. We stuck to the plan. We stuck to, to believing in us when not really a lot of other people did. And, and you know, we were successful. Well, moving on to your junior year, you've already been to Omaha freshman and sophomore year. Uh, junior year, obviously a big year for you as well. Uh, went to the Super Regionals, and you were close to getting to Omaha. Unfortunately, uh, Arizona State happened and mm-hmm. uh, came up a little bit short. Uh, take us take us through the, the your junior year in 2006 when uh, – I'm sorry, in uh, the, the, the following year when you come through and, and – have just come off of two trips to Omaha and uh what was what was that what was that season for you in your junior year? Well oh five I'm saying I'm thinking I'm thinking we're going back there again and we gotta defend what's ours. And you know, there's no better feeling than, than coming back home. Because I didn't get you know, I think when they won in oh four or when we won in oh four they came back to a parade and all that and, and I didn't get to do any of that stuff and enjoy all that stuff because I went straight to to meet up with Team USA and that was a crazy summer of traveling from, you know, from Omaha to, to, uh, South Carolina to North Carolina to Japan, coming back, playing more exhibition games here than going to Taiwan for a big tournament. It was a crazy summer. So I didn't really get to enjoy all that stuff that, that, that came with winning the championship. And coming into 05, I remember, um, you know, obviously coming off a big year, um, we we're going to be smart. Um, the coaches were really smart with me in, in, in making sure I had enough time off to be ready for the year. And, you know, like I said, my thought process was we got to go back and defend was ours. And our team was loaded that year too. It was really, really good. We had lost a lot of leaders on that team from, you know, PJ Pelletieri, Mike Martinez, um, Kurt Suzuki. Uh, but we also had a lot of, you know, a lot of, uh, young players and, and, and guys who were coming back still back from that national championship team. Uh, so we were thinking, you know, what is, what is it that we have to do this year to, to get back? And obviously it didn't work out for us that year, um, which was really disappointing. One of the saddest moments in my career, obviously, <laughs> was uh, seeing Arizona State celebrate in, on our field uh, to go to Omaha. I mean, you know, I just hated them with the passion. And... uh um, you know, I actually became friends, some good, uh, good friends with some of the guys on the, on that, on those teams. 
Uh, and I always say, you know, man, I, I never hated uh, ASU as much as I did any other school. You know, you guys were just a pain in the ass every year um, from my freshman year all the way up into my junior year, and we had some good battles. So <clears throat> that was a tough time while watching them celebrate, and, you know, I wish we would have made a trip to Omaha. Obviously, the guys did it the following year, and, you know, and, and that was cool to see, you know, like you said, three out of four years for the, for the guys that came back. Um, they got to go to Omaha. I did it two out of three years of the national championship. And you know, at the end of the day, I can't complain. I mean, some guys don't even get to go to Omaha at all. So I looked at the positive and, you know, um, and yeah, I mean, in 2005, obviously, <clears throat> got drafted by the Toronto Blue Jays and it was time to uh, close that chapter of being a tight end. Uh, and, uh, you know, but, you know, I'll forever be a Titan, you know, it, 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 you know, it's for um, so many memories, you know, some of the coaches I have there, uh, I have there, you know, some of my good friends now, you know, Cookie, Coach Toronto, um, Sergio Brown, and obviously Coach Horton, you know, they, they mean so much to me, and uh, yeah. Well, talking about uh, getting drafted first round, sixth overall by the Blue Jays, uh, what was what was draft day like for you? I know it it's 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 evolved over the years where it's kind of mirrored the the NFL draft, which has become a little bit more of a TV experience than it was uh, you know a number of years ago. But what was what was what was draft day like for you? And did you know that you were going to be drafted really really high? Draft day for me was I think we were. I want to say we had just gotten done with the regionals. Yeah, we had just gotten done with regionals, and I headed back home to East L.A., and we we were watching it in a little computer <laughs> in my sister's room. I remember because she's the, one, she's the only one that had the computer in her room, and it, I was surrounded around family and friends, but that year kind of started as, a, you know, I was going to be a top five-rounder. I was going to be, and then as the season went on, I went from, like, top five-rounder top three rounds to top two rounds to maybe top 30 picks. And then it kind of just kept evolving every, every, every week, you know, with the success that I was having that year. And, um, again, credit goes to, uh, you know, uh, another good pitching coach that I had there at the time, Teddy Silva that year, uh, Toronto moved on to be a head coach at UC Irvine. So Silva came in and man, I mean, I learned so much from him and he was awesome to work with. I still remain really good friends with him, and credit to him, you know, he, he kept me online that year, and, you know, just made sure I, I you know, he, with all the hype that was that, that was happening that year, he always made sure, like, hey, you got to remain humble, and you got to, you know, you're you're the leader of this team, and the pitching staff, and everyone is looking to you, so make sure you, you do the right thing, and, and set the example, and, which, you know, I took it too hard, and, and, and I was like, man, this is how far I've come, you know. He's a kid who didn't pitch much as a freshman, and now here I am as a junior uh, leading this pitching staff and, the, and being a leader of this team and this program, this prestigious program. It was like I took it all too hard, and it was really special to me. And, uh, you know, and then next thing you know, it goes, you know, top ten picks, you know, to possibly top five, top five picks, and, I remember having a call or uh, a talk with the staff from Seattle Mariners, and he's like, "Hey, man, I, I really, really, I'm pushing to take you third overall, um, but the organization really loves 
Seth Clement, who was the catcher at USC that year, and he was great too, you know, set all these records. And I said, he's like, but if they give me the okay, you know, just be ready. And I was like, all right. And um, I remember talking to the Blue Jays too, and, and, and I heard some rumbling the night before saying like, hey, you might, I think it's going to be Toronto and stuff like that. But you kind of still don't know because, you know, there's so many uncertainties of the draft. You know, you just when you think you're going somewhere, you don't. And we sat in, in my room, and I remember, uh, you know, six picked overall came, uh, Toronto Blue Jays select, you know, lefty out of Cal State Fullerton, Rick Romero, and it was just like an instant, uh, uh, just crazy emotions running through, through my head. You know, obviously there's some tears, you know, you get to share it with your family. It was, it was really special, but at the same time, I was like, whoa, Canada, the one team that's out of the country, that's where I'm going, and it's so far from L.A., like, this is not really going to be a really big-time test because talk about uh, a culture shock. And I didn't know much about Canada at the time. Obviously, knowing what I know now, it was, you know, one of the greatest things to ever happen to me uh, was playing there. And, um, and you know, and and I loved it. And um, But early on, I was like, man, like, what if I would have just dropped a few more to maybe go to the, you know, the Rockies or the, the Padres or something like that. But, you know, I, I was young. I was naive. I didn't know much about, uh, like I said, Toronto, uh, Canada. And in the end, it turned out to be the, the greatest thing ever to ever happen to me. And I enjoyed it. I loved it. Like I said, I go back a lot, and there's nothing like it to me. Well, it's, I would compare it to, you know, since the Montreal Expos had 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 moved on out Toronto was essentially Canada's team and mm-hmm. it's not like if you get drafted by the Mariners where you not only represent a city but kind of the, the the Pacific Northwest you got to represent an entire country so yep. summer prior you get to represent Team USA but then now once once you get drafted and then we all know that you know you eventually moved up and and played for the big club for a number of years that you were representing an entire nation and that's i mean that's kind of crazy and is that is that a lot of i don't want to say is that a lot of pressure but is that is that a lot of is that a lot to shoulder that you've got essentially the eyes of an entire nation on that team i don't, I don't think i understood the magnitude at the time you know when i got called up i was in 09 i was young i was happy to be there and i was you know i was gonna do whatever it took to to stick there and um, obviously you come in as a first-rounder, you know, you're expected to do great things and, and blah, blah, blah. And things didn't, get off, get, didn't, didn't uh, get off to a good start for me. It was, it was a tough time, and I spent a double labor, I remember, in New Hampshire. And, you know, consider, consider the bus, consider this, consider that. What a, what a terrible draft pick. They should have taken charge of the whiskey. Um, and there was all these, like, different things going on, you know, so... So, uh, you know, when I got there in 09, I, I really didn't fully quick grasp that we were representing the whole country till like, you know, as time goes on, we're like, whoa, we really are representing a whole country. And uh, I remember in the off season when after my second year, we started doing tours around Canada to, to promote Blue Jay baseball in the off season. And I was like, whoa, this is big time. And, you know, when you're going to Vancouver, you're going to Calgary, you're going to Ottawa, you're going to Montreal, and you realize, like, that Blue Jay level is everywhere. And, 
even now when I get to go do uh, different baseball camps uh, through the Toronto Blue Jays, it's crazy, you know, where you see that logo. And now being a retired player, I've, I've gone to games and I see the, the, the party that goes on outside and you're like, wow, like this is crazy. You know, stuff that as a player you don't see because you're in the clubhouse. And, and it's it's pretty cool, you know, and, and no other team can say that. I think that's why it makes it so special. No other team in the Big East can say that they represent a whole country. And, and yeah, your face is literally everywhere. You know, I, I didn't realize that when you're sitting in Vancouver, you know, in a Blue Jay game gone, people are watching. You know, when you're in uh, Saskatchewan, people are watching. So it's just that that, that Sportsnet uh, channel up there is showing when Blue Jay baseball is on, it's, it's showing it. And so that's why I think it's it's special and, and it's really cool, I think, that, that, uh, that you represent a whole country. Well, in your farewell letter... Uh, that you that you wrote for Sportsnet when you announced your retirement, uh, you said that one of the biggest honors was is not only playing in an All Star game, having two opening day starts, but also pitching in front of a sea of red on Canada Day. How were how were those different for you? Uh, you know, two opening day starts that's that's pretty special. Uh, but what how how special was it when you were pitching on Canada Day? The best. I mean, some of the best. Some of the best. I think I threw in two of them. And when you hear "Oh, Canada" being played, is crazy there. And you know, you get um, you get the fans into it. Um, I, I threw on Canada Day as a rookie. I remember against the Tampa Bay Rays, and you know, had a great game. But you you realize like Canada Day there is a big big deal. And like I said, when that anthem starts playing. Man, there's nothing like it because everyone is sitting, uh, singing at the top of their lung and, and it's pretty special. And, um, you know, those were, those were, uh, uh, Canada days. The two I got to throw in were really, really cool. And, um, you know, definitely some of, some of my, some of my, uh, favorite moments as a Blue Jay. All right. So we're going to take a quick break here, uh, before we ask some questions submitted by the fans. If you're away from your team's city or like to watch games with fans like yourself, select your team and where to watch. Team Barfinder does the rest. Search for Team Barfinder online or in the App Store. Welcome back into the 1544 Miles to Omaha podcast with our guest, Ricky Romero. Uh, this is going to be our uh, question and answer session with a few questions submitted by fans. So uh, are you ready for this one? Yeah. All right, here we go. Uh, so this one is from Frank, uh, who's a longtime Titan baseball season ticket holder. He says, ask Ricky about his violent sneeze that landed him on the 15-day DL in 2009. <laughs> wow, I haven't heard that in a while. Um, yeah, I remember being in, uh, I had just gotten, I was, I'm trying to think, 09, um, I made my debut, um, and then I think I, uh, we were in Minnesota, and I pitched that day, and I remember sitting in, in front of my locker, and, um, I was in a weird position where I sneezed, and I felt like a little tug on my my uh my rib cage, but I didn't think anything of it. I went out and pitched. I pitched, I pitching eight innings that night, and 
Next day, woke up really sore. Kept pitching, kept pitching, and then it got to a point where I just couldn't, uh, I couldn't rotate anymore. And I was like, I mean, I couldn't think of anything. It's not like I was a hitter, so it's like, or playing golf or anything like that where I could have hurt. And I kind of was thinking, I was like, what could I have done? And I was like, could it have been that sneeze? So I said, yeah, maybe it was that sneeze that I, <laughs> I did something. And I ended up having a hairline fracture of, of my rib cage and it caught, cost me a few starts and I feel like it cost me a, uh, a chance to be, uh, to be, uh, looked at to be maybe rookie of the year that year. And, um, you know, I was having an okay season. And, uh, once I came back up to the big leagues that, that year, I think it took me a while to get back into, uh, into, uh, to getting comfortable and, um, and, and, you know, and, and it, I didn't pitch as well as I wanted to, but yeah, that was, that was the story behind it. It seems like for, for baseball players that a lot of these weird injuries, like you sneezed wrong or, uh, you know, I've the story of like Jeff Kent of the giants, you know, broke his wrist while he was washing his mini monster truck or, you know, somebody is cutting tomatoes to make himself a sandwich and he slices his thumb or something like that. It just seems like there's, there's these weird injuries that just happen to baseball players. You don't hear it from, you know, any of the other professional athletes. Is there, I don't, I don't know. Can you explain why some of these weird injuries occur to, to baseball players and not the others? Who knows, man? <laughs> Who knows? I mean, yeah, you hear a lot of strange uh, um, injuries that happen, but I really have no answer to that. I just, I guess we're, we're the least athletic of any other sport. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> don't say that. All right, so we got another question from Twitter. Uh, this one is from Knight underscore Mode, and he asks, uh, "What do you see Fullerton needs to do to get back to Omaha?" Oh man, uh, when was when was the last time they were there? Two thousand seventeen. Seventeen. So it's so the, so two years. I mean, you just got to understand that um, you know. I mean as much as we would love to see him back there, it's, you know, it's not an easy thing to do. It's just, you know, just as you're getting better, the other teams around the country are getting just as, just as good. And you just have to, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not just because you go to Cal State Fullerton, you get a, a right to go to, to the World Series. There's work that has to be put in. And I'm not saying the work isn't being put in. Uh, but, um, but, you know, you just have to know that, you know, it's, it's time to play with the big boys and, and you got to be up for the challenge. There's going to be a lot of ups. There's going to be a lot of downs. And it's just, I think as a team, how you take it upon yourself. And I think, uh, we had a bunch of guys who were relentless and who were blue collar, who were going to do whatever it took to, to win for the team. And, um, again, this is no knock on the current teams or anything like that, but I think that's, you know, looking back at it, the Titan way was just, you know, that blue collar type mentality, um, we're going to do whatever it takes to win. And, um, and I think if they, if they do that, you know, and, and continue to work hard, I think, you know, that's, that's when you become successful and, and, you know, being, I think another thing that helped us was, you know, we, we were so as close as we were on the field, we were so close off the field. And I think that helped us big times, you know, it was a big time brotherhood. And, you know, some of my best friends are still from that, from those teams and the guys that I keep in touch with. So, uh, so yeah, I think, you know, 
it's the little things that count in this game, and I think if you're able to do those things, uh, you know, you're going to be more successful at times than, than not. So we got another Twitter question. Uh, this is from at XMVP13, and he asks, uh, it's a two-part question for you, uh, what's your favorite memory or memories being in Omaha that wasn't baseball-related, and what was your favorite place to go in, in Omaha? Well, I think the the best part of it that doesn't have to do with the stadium itself, it's what happens off the field. Um, you know, what's happening outside of the stadium. I think all the all the shops, all the food and I think that was really, really cool. You know, that was that was the the best part. I remember sharing in, in oh three, um, my dad was the only one that made it out there. Um and I remember He's like, what do you want to do? I was like, I want to experience this, like, this, this Omaha tradition, like, like, for what it's meant to be, uh, uh, experienced. Like, I want to walk outside on the, outside of the field and experience all the shops that are going on, you know, where they sell the t-shirts and stuff like that. And I remember walking around and I was like, wow, this is really, really cool. As far as my favorite place to go, um, you know, it's not like we can, it's not like, you're a big leaguer and you can go uh, <laughs> tour the city or anything like that. But honestly, when, when we won the national championship, that tight end house was the best thing ever. You know, I remember uh, we went and celebrated there with the fans, with our fans, and that was really, really special. That was my favorite part about it. Um, you know, where, where all the fans gathered up and cheered us on, uh, you know, that was really special to because, you know, we, we were that small school out of, uh, you know, Orange County who, who, uh, you know, we were in Texas, you know, who had a, had a humongous fan base and probably three-quarters of that stadium was rooting for them. Uh, we were that small school, uh, Cal State Fullerton, with our fans being just as loud as the Texas fans, and to be able to celebrate that moment with them was really, really cool. And you were on those teams that actually played in Rosenblatt. You know, we all know that Rosenblatt's been – uh, you know, replaced by TD Ameritrade in the downtown, and, and the College World Series feel has 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 a little bit different feel in the fact that there's the different location. It's a it's a beautiful new ballpark, but it doesn't have that that old charm, I guess you can say, of of, of Rosenblatt. Have you been able to keep up with college baseball, especially with the changes of of the College World Series since it's it's moved from Rosenblatt and it's it's gone to the downtown area? Not really. I haven't. I haven't been there since we won in in 04 so it's been a long time and you know i i mean if fullerton's in the college full series i watch if they're not i have no business watching i really don't care honestly um you know there's something about watching your alma mater on there and and, and rooting for them and, and talking smack to other guys whoever whatever school they're playing um so so yeah so i mean i just you know like i said if they're in it i watch if not I don't, and yeah, like you said, I, from everything I've heard, it the new ballpark it's a, it's way different than than being at Rosenblatt. It was just something about it, you know, that when you went there, it was just something really, really cool, and you know, you just you just felt it. It was like being at the old Yankee Stadium or Fenway Park. You know, it was it was just the pinnacle of, of college baseball, and um, and it, it it's pretty sad that it's not there anymore. But I'm sure the new facilities are way nicer and way better, and I'm sure uh, the college kids now are enjoying that that aspect of it because you know you still get the the fans and, and stuff like that. So anytime you're you're playing in in the World Series, um, I think it's special.
Speaking of speaking of, of facilities and ballparks, and you mentioned the old Yankee Stadium. Uh, what were what were some of your favorite places to play on the road when you were with the Blue Jays? Oh, I mean, there's there's quite a few, but the ones that come to mind are obviously uh, Safeco Field uh, in Seattle is unbelievably nice. Anaheim, I mean, the way they keep that field, you know, just how the playing surfaces are beautiful. Uh, you can't you can't beat Southern California weather. Um, Minnesota was always cool. Um, you know, obviously Yankee and Yankee Stadium and Fenway Park are awesome, but you know, some my favorite favorites were Safeco, Minnesota, and obviously here in Anaheim. Right on. Uh, a few more, and then we're going to let you run. Uh, we always hear that there are no stupid questions, but you have to admit that sometimes sports reporters can ask some pretty dumb questions. Uh, in your professional career, what was probably one of the dumbest questions that you were asked while playing baseball? Oh man! Don't have to name any names. Don't don't have to single anybody out. Ah, uh, trying to think. I think just when you get the whole like, you know, after a bad game, just you know, and whoever's reporting repeats your whole <laughs> your whole stat line. Oh, you went two innings, gave up thirteen runs, or you gave up ten runs, or whatever, and. And yada, yada, yada. How did you feel? You know, I think that's like, to me, like very vague and just, I mean, what do you mean how I felt? Didn't you just, <laughs> I think that's, you know, a question that I think irritates a lot of, a lot of athletes. Um, um, but at the same time, I can see why they're asking it, you know, being on this side and learning the media side of it. You know, I mean, a pitcher can say, hey, I felt great, you know, and it just didn't go uh it didn't work out for me, but you know, at the time when you're when you're when you're hearing that convert that that question, it just you know you're you're pissed off already, and it just pisses you off even more. <laughs> so, uh, last one I'll ask you is, uh, you know, playing college, playing in the minors, uh, playing professional, you know, at the at the big league level, uh, is there a question that you've always wanted somebody to ask you, but they just never have or they just didn't have the information to know to ask that question is there something out there that you've you've wanted to say or been asked and just never had the opportunity to do it um no not really i feel like everything that that's needed to be asked has been asked <laughs> i've never really uh no no i mean everything's kind of like i said i feel like i've always gone in in full depth of what's happened in my career because I want to serve as an inspiration more than anything, you know, especially coming out of East LA, playing at Fullerton, winning a national championship there, playing for Team USA, being drafted in the first round, playing the big leagues, being an all-star and all that stuff. You know, I feel like I've always, you know, tried to be as open as possible. And, you know, I've shared, um, you know, stories like today about, you know, that 04 national team, national championship team that went, uh, you know, that started off really, really bad and ended up winning, um, you know, little stories about me possibly not pitching very much to actually being one of the biggest contributors on that team, you know, and, you know, that little Coach Horton story about us being in Texas and him saying, you know, we'll watch you on TV. You know, I feel like I've always gone into depth about certain things like that, little stories, and, you know, and, and you know, whatever it is that I can remember, I always like to talk about it uh, because looking back at it, obviously, 
it made us a better team. It made me a better person. And, you know, without Cal State Fullerton, there wouldn't be a, a Ricky Romero. And, um, you know, I owe a lot of my success to everything I learned there. You know, those, all those, you know, everyone in that staff, everyone who was a coach of mine, whether it was a hitting coach or a pitching coach, it didn't matter, or the head coach and Coach Horton, um, they all played a big, big role in, 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 in my career. And, and, you know, for that, I'll always be thankful to them. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.